Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast. Brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Folks, I'm glad you can make it. We've been struggling this cold uh, Midwest weather and we get pounded by snow. And what do you know? We are late season between waterfowl and whitetails. You know, I've been praying for cold weather, praying for snow. And we have lukewarm weather and with high hunting pressure that we get here. I mean, it was probably the worst late season hunting whitetails and hunting waterfowl that I probably in- incurred in my whole life. And then, of course, as soon as the season goes out, we get hit with frigid Midwest uh, weather and snow and probably 14 inches of snow we got here in south central iowa i got 15 20 deer every night in the yard i just saw a 150 inch buck the other night licking the salt lick out my bedroom window they're just kind of giving me the middle toe and uh, it's been a tough year but uh you know what uh, life is good we live in a country where we can do things we like to do and and i'm telling you what Speaking of doing the things we love to do, my next guest is one of those guys who never altered. He's always done it his way. His brother and the whole family are, are one of a kind. Um, I would say that their history, their dad, the way they were brought up, it kind of instilled them to this their uh, work ethics and, and their beliefs and morals. And I'm very proud to call him a friend. And folks, it's Mark Mitten. Hello, hello, George. Buddy, I'm glad we had time. It's just like I said, it's been crazy, and and I love it because you know we, we get some people we're, we're trying. My wife wants to do the podcast. She does the analysis, and oh, we do so much better on on YouTube when we're doing these videos, and you know, so that means we got to have all this different equipment. But sometimes, yeah. man, there's some of the guys who are the old school guys. I got like Mark Mitten who says. Well, I got an iPhone. Is that high tech? <laughs> well, it's going to work today. So I appreciate, man, we jumping on here. But uh, Mark, you're one of the guys that uh, was in the group of uh, the Brothers of the Bow. And um, you're, you're, you're traditional, one of the hardcore traditional guys who, you know, that do it the way that, uh, not saying it's for everybody else, but for your way, you've never altered from that. And Man, of the 50-plus years I've been in the industry, or not the industry, but in hunting all together in the last 30 years in the industry, there's uh, not too many people you come across that said, I've never altered my beliefs, my personality, to sell myself out, to change my ethics when it comes to, you know, the respect of the outdoors and, and the critters that the good Lord gave us. And I'll definitely say you and the Brothers of the Bow and all those guys are definitely fall in that category so if you would just kind of give our listeners a, a, a brief description of who you are and in what you do but uh how you hunt yeah uh again my name is mark mitten i'm from northern illinois and uh i'm a chiropractor up here by profession but other than that we're or somewhere outdoors, doing stuff outdoors in some way or another, whether it be bow hunting or um, canoeing or kayaking or fishing. or um, I do a lot of, uh, I'm really into trail cam, setting up camera traps. I used to trap, you know, fur bears when I was a kid back in the 70s when the prices were good. But now I just enjoy uh, setting up uh, camera traps, putting lure out and tracking uh, wildlife and catching them on video. So now, with, the, with the new technology now, with the video cameras are so much better than they used to be, that it's, it's fun. It's really fun because uh, 
they're just much better quality than anything. When, when I first started, like like 15, 20 years ago, whenever they had the, the first cell cameras, they just they were bad. They were expensive, and they didn't have very good uh, battery life. And so the the, uh, the cameras now are great, and it's fun capturing stuff on film. Now, when you say camera traps, are are you setting traps and catching things, and then putting them on and and videoing in the the process, or you're using the video camera? As the yeah, trapping. The, cam- the camera replaces the, the steel trap. Gotcha. I, yeah, I that's cool. Lure, you, know, you know, trails come down. You put a little lure there just to stop them so that they, uh, you know, spend some time in front of your camera. And I, I keep, I'm, all my cameras are on video mode. So I don't just take pictures. It's mostly just on video. So I get video and, and I don't know, I just did it for like the last six, seven years with the, the better cameras and and uh, so I'm just going to show videos to my fr- family and friends, but people liked it so well that I decided to put it on YouTube. So you have your YouTube. Um, what is the the uh, your YouTube site? The name yeah, of it's Mitten M I T T E N as in Mitten, Mitten Nature Cam. I like Mitten that. E A M, and it's and I got I just put out uh, episode six yesterday. So if you like, these are all mostly, mostly from northern Wisconsin. So you're going to have, you know, animals that you would normally see in the upper Midwest, Minnesota, Michigan type wildlife. I got a lot of bears, wolves, bobcat, coyotes, fisher, you know, otters, beaver, deer. Bigfoot. Well, I'm trying. I just haven't run into him yet. Well, yeah, I got him out there. Well, your, your brother-in-law Jay, man, he 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 could probably yeah. set you up. And it's in Wisconsin, isn't it? That big yeah. slew. Yeah, <laughs> I got a couple of imposter bigfoots. That's these uh, black bear that stand up on their hind feet, and I got them standing up. Those are those are the imposter bigfoots. <laughs> the wannabe that's Sasquatch. Probably what, that's probably what most people see, and they say they saw a bigfoot. You know. Yeah, absolutely. There's a black bear standing up. Right, you know. Well, that's actually cool. What was your idea for that? For 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 what? Well, you started people just like watching the videos. And oh, I just like you know. I always used to do photography and stuff. I I when I was younger, I used to go to Alaska, Canada, and photograph wildlife and stuff. You know, bears up in Alaska and Yellowstone, Glacier Park, uh, Bayf, Jasper. So I I traveled a lot. That's how. That's really how I, I met the the myth the whistles originally back in '86 was on one of my trips out in Montana but uh anyway I just it's a lot easier put you know you can't be everywhere you know to take to take videos or photographic video but the the, tra- the camera the trail cameras you just set them up and they work you know every day all day long you know 365 days a year you know you know what exactly right when people are with myself you know, we talk about, you know, what are some of the big advancements, which there's been tremendous amount of advancements in, in the deer hunting industry and hunting all together. It seems like no matter what species you're hunting, you know, it's kind of like bass fishing. You know, it, every lure designed, every gimmick was made uh, to, to try to kill a whitetail and stuff. And But yeah. one of the things when, when people ask me, I said, you know, I could still kill a deer with an old, uh, you know, one of my dad's old recurves and, you know, a homemade tree stand. I could probably, there's no doubt I could still hunt in my Carhartts 
and um, and yeah. stuff like that. Some stuff might make it a little more comfortable or a little bit better, but is it a, a, a game changer of what I do? No, not a game changer. The game yeah. changer to me was was trail cameras came along, and. Yeah. And I, I remember years ago, uh, some friends of mine, they were huge farmers in Michigan, where I'm originally from, and they were known as, uh, you know, the whole family killed a lot of deer, a lot of big deer, and uh, he was, we got talking one time, I was over at his place, and we shot archery together, and he was laughing at this, the Ann Arbor News wanted to do a, an article on him, because he was known as one of the big buck hunters in the area, and of course, this is we didn't have uh, you, you didn't have social media, and you, I don't even think we had VHS tapes even at that time. But they wanted, to, you know, uh, can you do an article and talk about what contributes to your success? And he got talking. And he says, "Oh, I'll tell you right away, shining, shining deer." And they, oh man, we can't put that down. He said, "Well, that's how I can, you know, it lets me know if I see a big buck in my area, and I know yeah. to hunt it. You know, I'm not shooting the deer with a with, yeah. a, with but that yeah. was, you know, you had to visually." Physically is what I'm saying. One way or another, lay eyes on him. Yeah, and, that's part of your scouting factor. Yeah, absolutely. And and when the trail camera came, you know, I remember Roger uh, Rathar, who's one that took me under his wing and got me shooting traditional years ago. But he had had one of the first uh, homemade trail cameras where they had a deal set up with a, a, a clock and it pulled a yeah. string out you know with the, with the bear and, and back then it was used more for the bear hunters who were trying to yeah. time the bear coming into the I bear, bear bait yeah. yeah and uh, so yeah. when they tripped that string you'd see you now you didn't have any picture to record it but you would have you know it would stop the clock so oh and yeah. a 1007 you know something tripped this yeah. wire could have been sasquatch <laughs> A big raccoon. <laughs> a big raccoon. And uh, but when then the trail camera came along, yeah. and man, it was kind of cool. Now it got to be a pain in the butt when you know I made so many mistakes of getting there and cards forgot to turn it on or didn't reset or didn't oh, yeah. format the SD card, whatever. But um, it still was you know it it was easy to see the big bucks in your area. And it, it was a if you're a guy that was more of a you know kind of a trophy quote unquote trophy hunter, it was a lot easier to to pass up a you know maybe a, a mid yeah. a buck that uh, you probably you know is not you maybe a 150 class buck when you got 170 come on camera that makes it a lot easier yeah. passing a 150 up. And yeah. um, but anyway, yeah. and then my daughter this year she works for Tacticam for Father's Day gave me bought me and gave me a uh, cell cam oh my goodness i'm i'm so addicted it's just and my wife would get so mad i'm constantly yeah. i'd be looking at my phone and seeing the different animals that come in the deer and the cool thing is i didn't have to go to my spot you know so yeah. it's really it's yeah. it's come a long way it's a game changer and uh i do i don't do the you know the, the cell stuff i just leave it out there and i collect it you know, collect every six months or some of the new the new lithium batteries all last a year. You know, right? But uh, it's like Christmas; you don't know what you got, and then you put it in your computer to chip, and then you know you you sit to see what you got for, the, for that on that camera for that. You know, to me that was a game changer. I mean, that was to, it, what yeah. really evolved guys being more successful in shooting big bucks as they were able to predict. Win big bucks, yeah. You know, and and that's one of the things I was talking to a guy today. I said, 
how you know how I hunt the big deer? I said I use a lot of stuff on scrapes. You're trying to use the the you know food source is important without a doubt, especially when you know. So I didn't realize it so much as a younger man in, in Michigan, you know. But when you get to Iowa and, and all the big deer hunters out here, and everybody's got friggin' food plots, and if it comes late season, if you don't have the food, your neighbor's got your deer. Yeah, and there's, there. yeah, and so. They got that late season muzzleloader out there. <laughs> oh, it's 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 harsh, and, and of course it, this year it breaks a lot of people's hearts that've been working hard and and uh, trying to keep the deer on their on their property there, and then they and they dip, and they pull them off there and take them out and got to start over again because it takes you know four or five years to get one big, you know. Absolutely, and but uh, you know with the with the trail cam and sitting on the uh on the scrapes and stuff and when you're hunting scrapes and everything because i'm a big scrape mock scrape guy and i I set the cameras up and you know the biggest thing that i learned and i'll get on that but one of the things that what i'll do is i'll get you know i'll have pictures of big deer a lot of it is is nocturnal at night even on the scrapes it's at night and where i start getting as soon as i get a daytime pick on my I'm near, you know, on my spot there, I will, I won't wait. I'll go in right then and set up and kill him, because it's a hot doe that's brought him in to come in, and and, and that's been a pretty good, um, for a poor redneck, it's been a pretty good method, you know. Um, now yeah. getting the later season and stuff, you know, I, I I had some spots I hunted here and had rich guys come from out of state, bought up land, and they'd put up 50, 60, 80 uh, acre cornfields and leave the corn up year round, which yeah. no farmer around here is trying to pay bills can leave corn can leave crops up year round, but right. you know my sightings when that guy bought the property, my sightings of big bucks went to zero. And, and, yeah, it's a different ball game now than it used to be. But I kind of I miss the old days. To be honest with you. Oh, well, absolutely, miss the I old miss days. The old days. Yep. I miss. Yeah. You, you know, you didn't have a, you didn't know what's coming to a scrape, so you're sitting on it to find out what's you know what's coming back in the old days. They didn't have cameras. Absolutely, and you know what? <laughs> the old days too. When I was a kid, um, you had to draw to get a doe tag. And if you got a doe tag, that was like a lottery, but we were hunting, you know, you hunted the bucks. And if you shot a buck, when I was a kid, someone said, hey, did you get your buck? Yeah, I shot a buck, shot an eight point. Oh man, you got an eight point. Yeah, I got an eight point buck. In your head, it didn't matter if he was 170 or 110 inch deer, that guy shot an eight point buck. And most of the time, how much you weigh? Did you weigh him? You know, he was a 200 pound deer and got 200 pound deer today. You know, it was like, um, you know, what'd you shoot? Well, I shot an eight. What'd he score? Uh, he was probably a 140 inch eight point. Oh, would you, you think you should let him go another year? You, you, yeah. And yeah, it's, you have that. The thing was, is that, uh, you know, the, the, back in the old days, when someone got a deer, you knew it was a wild deer. Yeah. And now these guys got these stuff in these magazines and you don't know if they got it in a pen or what, you know. And I'll tell you what, the bow hunters back then... Without a a ranch deer being raised and genetically enhanced deer, and, you know, it's just, it's almost sickening to see some of what they're doing to some of them. 
animals. Oh, the Creighton, uh, yeah, the Creighton uh, Frankenstein's is just, yeah. you know, I just, like I said, I remember as a kid, and the bow hunters back then, this would be the age, and I'm not bashing compound guys. It had nothing to do with that, but back in the day, I remember my dad and my uncles, they would, when they got together, they were shooting in this straw bales with, with their bare recurves, and they would go up to northern Michigan, and, you know, once, and they'd do their bow hunt and squirrel hunt, and, you know, and, and um, of course, they ate the squirrels, and if they killed a deer, you know, they, we butchered our own stuff. And it's just a total different yep. thing today. And, and and but the bow hunter back then, the guys, you know, because they're shooting recurves, you had a small class of guys who were who were probably your most successful at killing the deer. You had a few guys now and then um, that might have got a deer, but the guys who consistently were killing deer and hunting with a recurve, they were the superb hunters. Yep. And um, had to be. Yeah, you had to be. I started when we first, my first bull, you know, Santa Claus gave us our first bull, me and my brothers, uh, it was a bear tiger cats. Yep. A bear tiger cat recurs there. Mike had one thirty-five pounds, my brother Steve had a 30, mine was 25. So that's where we started from. And then I, I got a little older in the teens, I bought a bear grizzly and then a Kodiak hunter. And uh, I finally, you know, when we were making the Primal Dreams uh, film, I was in uh, Rango Island, Alaska, and I was filming Black Bear uh, for the film, for the footage for our, our video we were making with the whistles. Uh, and on the way out, it's, this is just a fluke of luck. Just happened to be the timing. I was just getting ready to fly back. I'm sitting there waiting for the plane, and this old fisherman guy, all bearded guy, long hair, beard, he was just sitting by me, and we just finally, we just started talking because we had nothing better to do. And he told me what I was asking what I was doing. I told him I was you know, filming, filming Black Bear and stuff for a, a video we're making. And he said, hey, I said that. He goes, I used to, you know, I, I got, I'm like good friends or best friends, or his wife is, was best friend with, with a guy that used to be the, used to guide Fred Bear. And his, I said, what's his name? And he said, Ed Bilderbeck. And I said, I heard Ed Bilderbeck because he was in a, a video that Fred Bear made called Kodiak Country and Restless Spirit. And, uh, so we started, he, I said, how do I get a hold of him? So he gave me his, his number and everything. And uh, I called up Ed when I got back. I called up Ed and I told him I want to do an interview with him. And he agreed. And he said, uh, you have to meet me in New Mexico in the wintertime. He's staying with a friend, of, uh, a friend of his in New Mexico for the winter. So, so two years in a row, I met Ed in New Mexico and did some interviews and and I had some other interviews to do down and he went with me to southern New Mexico to the Muscalero Indian Reservation because I had I did some interviews with uh, Cochise, the, the family, the, the, like the great grandchildren of Cochise and Geronimo. So, I, so Ed was with me when we went, they invited us in their house and stuff, showed us old pictures and that. So that's, uh, so he was with me on that trip. And then I met him again in Hawaii for a couple of weeks and I went hunting with him. I went hunting. He didn't really hunt. He was too old. He was 81, but he took me around. Uh, I, we did an island. We, we it was on the big island of Hawaii and, and I got a convertible Mustang uh, I read it and we toured that whole island and he was going around and uh, saying it was his last, he was there for 50 years, 50 winters. And this was his last winter. He was going to be, go to Hawaii and he was going to say goodbye to all his old friends. So I took him around. We stopped off at all these different ranches where he used to hunt and say goodbye to his old friends. And 
Uh, I shot a goat. We got. A, I shot a feral goat and a and I hunted some feral sheep there in Hawaii when he was there. And so I did some interviews with him there, and then I did a. And then I met him in Alaska at his daughter's place in Ketchikan, and uh, for another couple of weeks I stayed at their house. We did some more interviews, and so I got to know him really well. You know, was, uh, I love the. Uh... I love all the Fred Bear videos because uh, Fred Bear was always uh, he was a pioneer. I mean, I yeah. you know I design calls and 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 there's you engineer your own product. We we design our own stuff that we sell and and it's just it's it, the years and and the work and the engineering behind everything you do. And so I have respect to people who did that. And my respect was to Fred bear because he had, you know, done, he was actually the first one. And you talk about people making videos, dude, this is a guy who yeah. was doing the first hunting videos for anybody. Um, and yeah, using, he had, a, he, had a, he had a show his product could, could really kill a bear or a moose, you know? Absolutely. And that's what he went with Ed, 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 you know, Ed was the guy and he took them out on his boat, his fishing boat called the Valiant Maid, and he he put uh, he put uh, Fred on two big brown bears. One of them was the world record that stood for twenty six years. And well, that, so that is wrong. I have all the stories that he had with Fred Bear. I got it on video, and I'm going to put it up when I get done with my other wildlife film. I'm going to put the, I'm going to put up like an hour video of. Uh, Ed talking about Fred Bear. That's you know, and the, the neat thing about that, what you're saying is that uh, you can watch all this uh, of Fred Bear's videos, but the same hunt you're talking about, I watched maybe it was maybe three weeks ago. I saw it on just you know clicked on YouTube and and watched it. And Fred was asked the question, "Who is the best bow hunter you know?" Yeah. And it, it was Ed Biddle, Bitter, Bitter, Say it again, Biddleback. Yeah, Ed, Ed Builderback. Builderback. Would it be, yeah. Yeah, Ed Builderback was... That he, guy could shoot. That guy, like you're talking about, you have great hand-eye coordinations. So did Ed, man. He used to practice with an M1 carbine uh, at the back of his boat, and they'd throw bottles up in the air. He, he would shoot, uh, you know, back you know, back in you know the old days before Alaska was a, was a, was a state, you know, there was a bounty on eagles. And uh, because the fishing industry, the salmon industry, you know, thought that they were eating, you know, too, they were misinformed, you know, mostly the eagles eat dead salmon, but they were thinking they were shoot, catching the live ones and stuff. So there was a bounty on eagles, and he used to shoot eagles on the wing. He said it was too easy shooting them, you know, uh, you know, just sitting on a, on a, on a limb. So he, he waited till they fly, and then he'd shoot them in the air. You like to shoot everything in the air just to be a challenge. When you said you were down there in New Mexico, you also you you, you uh, did some stuff with Cochise and the Geronimo people. Well, I was doing an interview with them, and uh, see, uh, let's see, uh, Cochise's great 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 granddaughter, Alba Hugger. She was a she was in a movie. She was uh, there's a movie called The Missing. The yeah. Missing with with. Uh, with Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Val Kilmore, yeah, as a western, and she was the she trained the actors uh, Apache. She taught them the language of Apache. That is amazing. So, My uh, uncle. What she did for a living was teach the youth the Apache language so they don't lose it. My uncle, Ed Breeding, he lives in New Mexico. He's a wildlife artist, but he also, I I can't tell you how many documentaries he's done. He's won quite a few awards on the uh, Native Indians, and he is close friends with uh, Geronimo. And okay. um, Ed Breeding, you look him up. 
but uh, yeah. he's got books on he's got quite a few books on Amazon um, but he does a lot of the movies um, he's done a lot of documentaries with the with the Indians he got a lot of awards and he's always working on either a book or a documentary and and usually he has Geronimo doing the the narrating okay and, and his, yeah, and his, I was with the what I met with was it was a he was a uh, tribal chief there at the time and also like a tribal judge. His name was Joseph Geronimo. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And they were really nice people. They were really untrustworthy, you know, but they trusted me. That's why they brought me into their, their homes, which they normally don't do. Right. And uh, I would, so they showed me the old pictures. I got to see the old pictures and stuff that they have in their, you know, they have possession of, you know. You know, museum stuff. You know. So you got started in all this basically on your own, wanting to do the videos and interviews and and stuff like that. And when did it come about? Because uh, I want to educate to our listeners that uh, you were part one of the guys that helped contribute in in what I think is the best hunting video uh, any of uh, out there or outdoor video of primal dreams. Um, I think is is. You know, that is a a once in a lifetime video. It was a special video. And uh, so. Yeah. So we got together. We were, you know, we were always filming. You know, I was like, we were always filming, you know, deer and and, and wildlife. You know, we were hunting. We used to film. And and so the Winslow saw that. We showed him footage and stuff. And he said, this is too good of stuff. You know, why don't we get together as a group and and, and make a, a, a film so that people can see what hunting, true hunting is really about, you know, like, and we were all, you know, traditionalists, so we just all use, you know, recursor longbows, and, and, uh, you know, and to show people that you can shoot, you know, wildlife with the old, the old bows, and you can really enjoy yourself, and you, you don't have to be far away, you can just set yourself up for them to come in close, so I got, I really liked it, because I did, I went on a hunt in uh, South Dakota for, for bison, and I, uh, I was using a, a Great Northern Plains Indian bow. Uh, it was made by a Great Northern company. It was like 75 pound bow. And I had wood arrows. They were made from birch wood. And I had wild turkey feathers. For the, I put the arrow fletching on it. And I cut a little groove, a notch. I cut a little notch out. And I, there was a guy from Michigan that was a really good uh, napper, Don Gibson. Yeah. He was a really good uh, flint napper. And uh, I met him at Kalamazoo at one of the archery shows there, traditional archery shows, and I uh, bought some heads from him. So I secured about I secured about some arrows to uh, with deer sinew to hold them on. And uh, I went out to South Dakota. I had a big bull. I practiced ahead of time. Well, I, first I had to get used to seeing a bison up close. So there was this guy at a bison farm a few miles from my house. I I'd always spend a lot of time just just getting used to looking at them, you know? Sure. But I didn't want to get rattled when, I, when I'm up there close range to a bison. I, you know, just to get myself used to, you know, pulling on it and, you know, and get, you know, prepare myself. So when we got out there, it was like in the late December. It was freezing cold, really cold. And uh, I had, for practice, I had these big bales of hay, those big giant round bales. Yep. So I put like about the center of it, I put a little paper plate. I was just practicing with uh, the same weight of arrow that I was going to be using and everything. So then when we got out there, uh, got out of the range there, I saw a couple big bulls and I put the sneak on them and they ran off and I went all the way around them. They were up on a hill and I got 
wasn't a whole lot of uh, stuff to hide behind, but there's a little small uh, juniper tree, small, very small. And I just kind of crawled, belly crawled, knees, and just crawled up to it, got behind it, and that's as far as I could go, as far as, you know, because otherwise they'd see me. And it was a 38-yard shot, and I shot right in the lungs, and it went about 100, 125 yards, and just... Wow, that's a long shot. He'll look down, and it's... Its hind end sank down, and then the front end sank down, and then it just rolled over. So you that hit you hit the paper plate on the side. What's that? You yeah, hit the pa- <laughs> you hit the paper plate on the side. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was uh, and it was all on film, so it's on our film. It's on our video. They it's all on film. They were fighting, weren't they? The 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 bison. They were fighting kind of, so that kind of distracted them. So you were able to do your stalk. Well, they were just. You know, I spooked them. They saw me earlier, and they ran off. And they're look. I mean, they ran. They look like like elephant seals running off. You know how big they are. Yeah. And the way they move through the snow. And then uh, I decided to go all the way around them. They come back the other side of them, and he pumped his hill. They're on top of the hill, and I had to sneak up this hill from little one little 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 you know bush to the next. So I couldn't go any further. It was I tight after I shot it. I paced it off because you know where's the snow is. You know there's snow on the ground, and it was uh, I wore snow camouflage at the time too, and it was 38 yards. It was a big bull. Uh, they said it would weigh around in the late season there around 1,600 pounds because it's, it's, it would be heavier earlier. But they get run down, you know. Oh, he was huge, and it was yeah. great footage. And it was yeah. a long shot. I remember when he shot. I was like, "Wow, that wasn't that wasn't one of your ten yard shots right there." Oh, I, I meant to, get, you know, get closer, but you know, but it's like shooting a Volkswagen or you know, an SUV. That's how big they are. Yeah. But I, they heard it. They said they were really, they were really. I gave half to me to the elders. Because you were on it, if you get that, let the people know, you were on an Indian reservation, weren't you? Yeah, I was on the uh, Brule, Brule, uh, Lakota, Lakota or Sioux Indian Reservation. Yep. Yeah, so then they they uh, they used the footage for their uh, promotions, and uh, there's an uh, Indian band called Brule, Brule which is like the number one Native American Indian band. They had their own music. They they had a they had a they had a, uh, a they had their own show in Branson, Missouri. I think it's called RTF something TV out of Branson, and they they used that footage on their on their uh, you know TV show that they had. But there was a it was like the first like it was like the first bison that was killed with a stone point in like a, over like 180 years you know isn't that something because they you know they remember they used to use stone points way way back but then when the rag, wagon trains came by and stuff they you know they st- steal the the barrels and, and make and use those barrel bands for uh for metal points hmm. they're easier to make they cut them out and they and also they had trade points you know the trap the the uh traders would trade uh you know uh metal metal the trade points so they, they stopped using stone points like 180 years ago yeah i remember so. up there at kalamazoo um at the uh the the traditional bow hunters rendezvous there or the wherever it was i remember up there i was working i was with steve uh osminski and we were i think we were doing um 
the Sitka booth. We were working in the Sitka booth up yeah. there, and I remember the, the 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 Flint Nappers up there, and it was really cool. And I think that's yeah. the first time I met you. Was yeah, uh, you were t- I heard this Hawkins sound. <laughs> <laughs> this goose hawk inside. Hey, that's pretty damn good. I mean, that's pretty good sound, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hang them low. Hang them low. Hang them low, baby. Hey, that was awesome. Real quick, that hunt is on the Primal Dreams. And, folks, I'm telling you, yeah, if you don't get a chance to see it. Essential Encounters. Okay. Essential Encounters. But that is all in the same series of videos. If, if my listeners wanted to go um, to purchase those, how would they go about? You can't watch the video on, on. It's not on social media anywhere, right? Yeah, I don't really know. I don't yet. That's Mike or something. I don't know. It's a, they, you know, they, the Winslow's closed up their website, so that they don't. You know, I don't know if it's on on uh, eBay or, or I mean uh, some of those other things, but I just don't know. I don't. I I know I get a few copies of my own. That's about it. So. Yep. Uh, I will tell you what, that uh, is. There are DVDs when we were selling them. Yep. DVD. That is I don't know if anybody you know put them up on YouTube or what. I don't know. Maybe talk to Mike or something. I will get a hold of Mike and we'll try to get the information. We'll put it on our website. We'll we'll put it on yeah. the, the heading with this podcast because folks, I'm telling you, this is you're gonna watch this and you're gonna say this was one of the most brilliant productions uh, done. To know, I think it was a three year span. If I'm not, correct me, Mark, if I'm right. Yeah. But the the footage. Of you're going to see world class animals, not just in the whitetail, world class moose, world class elk. You're going to see elk and, and moose fighting. You're going to see, you know, the footage is, is is unbelievable. The footage of the black bear. I think there's, I'm pretty sure it was the primal dreams, and I don't know if you or Mike did the footage, but there's an awesome footage of a little black bear up in a tree, and he's rubbing his back, you know, against the bark. Okay. And the funniest dog on. When you go to a mitten, uh, what do they call it, a mitten nature camp, I got a lot of that. I got a lot of bears rubbing. Oh man, that was so that's such the, But uh, the thing it is about when I when I've been through, I'm so happy. I'm really one of the lucky guys to, to be able to meet and hang out with those uh, forefathers of, of you know. Of absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, that's going to conclude the first half of our podcast with Brothers of the Bow, Mark Mitten. I'd like to thank Legendary Gear for sponsoring this podcast. Always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there rain shining All a part of the great design Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made of